This is a Crow's Nest podcast. And welcome back to Titanic Talkline. I am Alexia, and this week I have on Tim Goff, who is going to do me a good favor because I never got a chance to play Titanic Adventure Out of Time. So he's going to basically walk me through the game and tell me about it. And also, I'd like to hear more about his story in general. So, hi, Tim. Hi, Alexia. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. It's a pleasure. I wish everyone could see you have fantastic hair. (laughs) <laughs> thank you yeah great I mean, curls this is, this is just a yeah a day's worth of mess and yeah work etc i'm <laughs> kind of like you i have wavy hair it's back right now but i'm very mm. lucky in that even when it just kind of air dries it looks pretty okay right <laughs> yeah like I'm, I'm i'm just fortunate i get that thing every once in a while people are like oh my gosh what do you do to your hair i'm like nothing sorry (laughs) i wish i had better answers yeah (laughs) but i i alluded to your titanic um adventure out of time experience but what what is your like personal titanic story or is it just this game um it includes the game but um i'm I'm, i suppose you would call me well just a titanic fan in general Mm -hmm. um i began I, i guess it began with the James Cameron film. So when that was released, I would have been, was it 1997? So I would have been nine. Um, but because in the UK it was released at a 12 certificate, I um, was not allowed to go and see it. Um, is that uh, in, like, um, sorry, is that sort of the maybe equivalent of the US, like PG-13, where it's like you had yeah. to independently go, oh, okay. Well, it, well, we have the 12A now in the UK, which... I think if when Titanic was released, it might have passed at 12A, maybe not, but it was just a strictly 12, which means anyone under the age of 12 is not allowed in the cinema to see it. And my mum was quite strict at the time, so I had to <laughs> like, suffer the... Every member of my family going and see it, because I'm the youngest, and then me just having to wait for it to be released on VHS. So um, in the meantime, I just watched every featurette that there was on tv i recorded them on vhs i watched the cast interviews i watched you know cameron talking about how he like shot a lot of the um the sort of special effects sequences and and i was thinking about this alexia i was thinking well what why when i was not you know a nine-year-old child why did i love a film that i hadn't seen (laughs) and what what was it that attracted me to it and i've I can think of two things. Firstly, I love history. And I, mem- I remember seeing the trailer for the film. still remember it to this day when I first saw it. And um, it, it, I just had this fascination with historical events, but when they're quite beautiful and tragic, like tragic at the same time. And I think that's fascinating with this story, isn't it? With Titanic, the myth of the Titanic. Um, and I just love romance. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's... Um... That's interesting because I talk about this a little bit on the show where there's Titanic, the event, and then as you referred to it, Titanic, the myth, yeah. where it's almost over time becomes split into, excuse me, I live in the state of Texas and I'm allergic to everything. Um, yeah. <laughs> I apologize, but there's, there's this sort of 
fictionalized mythology that's sprung out of Titanic. And it's kind of interesting in a way, because I think that's what springs springs um, inspires a lot of the fiction and a lot of the art and the recreations and what have you. But I think, unfortunately, for some people, it goes a little too far into romance in a weird way. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. It can be romanticized, can't it? And I think I I just I wanted to be Leah when I was younger and then I wanted and I just was in love with Kate Winslet. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Yeah. And um, and I still like them, you know, I love them to this day. But I would credit as well, like Titanic being one of those films now that's just has been such a huge part of my life in, in terms of where I am now um, because I it, I think it yeah really got me into cinema I studied film at university and did a um, postgraduate like master's in film I'm currently doing a PhD in film I teach film now at a college um, and I credit you know I, I, Titanic has been one of those influences that just got me into that kind of world I suppose um, I think that's important mm, yeah know. definitely there's there is a faction of you know people who don't like the movie for whatever and you know that's oh, fair yeah. <laughs> you, you you don't have to you know in the same way that there's some things that I like where people just look at me like I am out of my mind but like I think it's ah <laughs> uh, I play roller derby which is a full contact sport and I'm also over the age of thirty and people look at me like what in the absolute hell is wrong with you you're gonna die so, oh so is that like mm, roller skates. Mm-hmm. And that's as far as I know. That's as far as I'm going with that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, roller skates, and there's no like ball or um, baton or any kind of prop right. involved. <clears throat> so it's just running into each other at speed. And for, for example, this past <laughs> weekend, um, I've got a pretty impressive bruise on my back now, but I hit my head pretty hard on the ground. Yeah, it's it's things like that where you're like, this is an extremely normal risk that you run in this sort of thing. So that's. The first example I have offhand, it's more of things that I don't like that people give me weird looks for. Like, I don't like coffee. Oh, right. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, I'm, that's I'm the kind of approach. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't until last year and I went to Cuba for the first time. And that was the, that's what got me into it. Is their coffee just way better? Yeah. But also they don't, they don't serve tea, you know, like that classic English breakfast tea, which is so, you know, hmm. Prevalent in this country, but um, I mean, yeah, I love tea, but oh, there you go then. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't need it though. I know that some people, you know, and this isn't making fun mm. of people. Some people need their caffeine. I, I don't. So mm. I'm very sympathetic towards that when you're suddenly somewhere and you can't have what you're used to. Yeah, anything yeah. sort of will do in that instance. You said mentioned Alexia about um people who are critical of the film, and mm-hmm. I think is a totally yeah i i am as well as much as i love it like sure i first heard this when i heard of your podcast on the um the titanic minute podcast they they posted the midnight boys posted um about you or you posted on their page i can't remember what it was on i um, love the midnight voice <laughs> yeah that podcast is um it's just a bit of a happy place for me. <laughs> oh my gosh. I got one. Of, I don't, I don't know if you have like Spotify or anything, but you know yeah, how at the yeah. end of the year, they show you the, like, <laughs> this is what you did. And I don't remember if yeah. it was last year or the year before, but I got it. And one of those horrifyingly embarrassing high number for like, this is the number of hours you spent listening to Titanic minute. I was like, minute. Oh no, I cannot, I cannot share that in the crew. <laughs> yeah. I got that same uh, notification, but it was uh, <laughs> during the lockdown year. Um, yeah. I think it was, I think it was like yeah. 21 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but um i think they're so funny some of the things oh, yeah, they are some of the things they talk about and I, I i agree with it you know it's same same i i have to admit i agree with them but i'm sorry you you were saying uh i got oh, distracted yeah, just... by the dogs <laughs> No, no, just that um, I, I think a lot of the criticisms levelled at that film are, are valid. You know, James Cameron, great director, poor writer. Um, yeah. And, and just a almost bombastic, hilarious, insane megalomaniac. <laughs> yeah, I have to say that for me, the writing is where the film does fall short, if when yeah. it does fall short. I studied English in school. <clears throat> uh, my emphasis was in creative writing. So oh, I love right. looking. Yeah, I like looking for plot devices. I especially love clever writing. Like yeah. if a show can really make me laugh or really make me cry or feel an emotion, even if it's basic or silly, <laughs> I still give it a lot of emphasis. I cried during um, Star Wars Rebels. Oh, right. I've not seen that. Oh, it's really good. Yeah, right. Oh, I could get totally sidetracked about that for is that is that a new series no that one's not new so you know the new show ahsoka yeah right yeah, yeah that yeah. is <clears throat> the that's like the continuation of rebels i oh, think yeah. there's supposed to be like a couple years between when whenever rebels ended and whenever ahsoka begins yeah but it picks up on those storylines and uh, all right i'm gonna do it <laughs> i'm sidetracking onto a rant real quick but it's <laughs> It's about, to me, it's like, I personally really acknowledge certain things like animation and 3D animation as, to me, very legitimate art. Yeah. And absolutely. I think that, yeah, and I think that there's some faction of people that don't see it that way. So mm. until a intellectual property is made live action, some people don't view it as high art yeah. or worthy of consideration. And I think that that's a real shame because there's some things that can only be conveyed in animation in rebels and clone wars ahsoka's a bloody gymnast she's yeah. backflipping and here and there and everywhere doing these literally impossible things but she's animated you can do that right. okay rosario dawson is not a superhero simone biles and i i don't think anyone expects her to be but it means that that version of the character is more toned down it's it's different. And in my mind, you miss sort of that quote unquote magic, that same thing that happens when you make Disney films animated to live, because you lose that, you know, nonsense fantasy element that comes with being able to use animation. Yeah. Yeah. Animation's brilliant. I, I love it. It's great. It, it, there's some cl yeah, classics that have been released, anim well, anim animated films anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think that might sort of be a nice segue into talking about the game, actually. I was about to say, I was going to say, <laughs> people actually don't think that video games are high art either. Game they talk. are. Game talk. <laughs> game talk. Game talk. Okay. So I was was not and am not a big gamer, and neither was anybody else really in my family. Um, right. <laughs> and I think also important to note that back in the day games were not streaming you had to own them yeah and I, I didn't this is not one that I had access to or anyone that I knew had so I think it so when was it released I think it was 1996 it was released at first in America and then with the sort of when the film when Cameron's film was released I think it just kind of went back on the shelves and then it just sold like gangbusters. And then it came to the UK, I think in about nine, early 98, I want to say. Mm -hmm. I might be getting my timeline wrong there, but I think that's, I might've got it, what, the Christmas of 97, maybe my birthday, 1998. So mm -hmm. I would have been literally around nine, 10. 
Um, yeah, and, and IQ, I'm not a massive gamer. Like, I know I'm, <laughs> I'm here to talk about the game, but I'm not one of the, I don't have a gaming chair. You know, I don't have the gaming head, headset or anything like that. I, I just. I do, ironically. Oh, you, and you do. <laughs> More of a gamer than me, then. I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, released by this d- developer called Cyberflix, which um, I did a bit of research into them. They, they don't exist anymore. They released one game before this. It was called um, Dust, A Tale of the Wired West, which I actually never played. But it's that same setup. It's a point and click um, kind of almost like a, a mystery game, although Adventure Out of Time is much more mystery Mm-hmm. um orientated um and I, th- I think again in my research i think they released a game after adventure out of time but it sort of just disappeared into the ether and didn't really do mm. anything but titanic sold the adventure out of time sold a lot of copies um i don't have the exact figures in front of me but um but yeah sad that it sort of went into liquidation afterwards but um I don't actually have the game anymore. I, mm. I just, uh, in preparation for this, I watched a playthrough, um, and you said you haven't played it. You had heard of it. I have. I'm looking. I googled it right now, and apparently, you can get it on Steam. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So you'll be able to download it on Steam. Yeah, I might do that later on. But no, I've never, I've never played it. I've seen, you know, trailers. I've seen. I've never watched a complete playthrough, but I've seen right. like you know some compilation clips online. I mean, and... playthroughs aren't exactly the most exciting, are they? <laughs> if you're not playing not the game. Really. <laughs> I think I've watched one playthrough in its entirety, and that's because it was a game that I was somewhat interested in. It was um, the Japanese horror movie Ju-On, The Grudge. Grudge there is yeah. <laughs> a video game version of that, and I was curious about it, but it's like, I'm never going to go through the trouble of downloading that, so I watched a playthrough of it, but that's the playthrough only playthrough. What's that like? Uh, this was old PewDiePie, so it was a oh, lot right. of yelling and laughing. But it was one of the only people that had streamed this game, so yeah, right, it was fine. It, but again, it was also earlier, um, earlier in his stuff, so it was a little bit more toned down and a little less. I don't know. I like it was fine. Right, it was okay. long. Yeah, yeah, long. Yeah, I think <laughs> it that's was long. The, the beauty of this game is, well, if you know all the the tricks and the secrets, you can pretty much do it in maybe two hours maybe oh it was a quick game um i mean it wasn't when i played it alexia when i was uh, when i was younger it was a long long game um i got stuck many times i'm sure that they're like i when i was younger my brother and i used to play these games called like freddy fish and pajama sam and we would spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on them i bet if i tried them again it would take me about an hour and a half (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's it because you know you know you know all the you know what to do don't you yeah yeah, yeah. um oh. and that at the time when i had this I, I couldn't access any like cheats or guidebooks i think eventually they came out on like sort of fan forums and stuff but um so i was you know i was literally just having to solve this because it is a, a series of puzzles really um mm-hmm. on my own um <clears throat> And it's very like political as well, and um, and and wrapped up in in sort of elements of European and and uh, like history, and um, which kind of went over my head at the time. Um, 
But uh, yeah, in watching a playthrough recently on YouTube, I, and I wouldn't usually read the comments, Alexia, on YouTube, but I did in this instance. And um, <laughs> I, I noticed that people are still traumatised by this game. It still haunts them. Um, and the reason for that is it's, apart from the fact it's very um, mysterious, but it, the graphics for the time were really, really good. And the character okay. interactions that you have were very um, creepy. The way the characters, their faces were animated, the way they moved. I have, um, um, I looked it up and I have the Steam page open and the Steam page has the trailer playing. I don't have the sound on, but right. yeah, it's it's very weird. It's like that Uncanny Valley style. Yeah. Of, like of, of the way the characters interact with you um, and when you click early mocap i think yeah i think that's what it was yeah they had like they i think they got a a troop of actors um and sort of got them in and modeled their sort of faces and um so yeah very realistic um mm-hmm. but there was there was a couple of scenes in it that um that have really st- <laughs> really stuck with people since childhood has just been creepy and terrifying and um don't mind me i just bought that on steam oh there you go then brilliant <laughs> but please continue to um spoil things and tell me about this because oh, well, I... i'm gonna get i'm yeah. gonna spoil this game now yeah please, i mean please do because this yeah the, the statute of limitations for spoilers i was literally <laughs> i think that was actually something that the midnight boys brought up in their um titanic thing where they're like sorry for spoiling this 20 year old movie that's kind of how yeah. it is where it's like i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, you've had you enough time to it. shield yeah you've had enough time to shield yourself calm down yeah where have you been if you haven't seen it <clears throat> um so i mean and anyone surely anyone listening to this must have played the game or or has some familiarity or something yeah, yeah exactly yeah um but <clears throat> um so the plot setup so i mean it's quite complicated but i'll do my best so you the game starts um and it opens in this london apartment um and the date is april 14th 1942 so 30 years after um sinking Mm -hmm. obviously we're in the middle of world war ii um and you play this or you seem to play this failed spy who um you can like interact with some of the objects in the room it's because it's a point and click game so you can imagine sitting there right. with the mouse and you move with the arrows and you can pick up postcards that have like, has like writing on and there's a, a model of the Titanic on your mantelpiece. Um, the radio is playing and there's, it's like an, a, a news bulletin of headlines. So the London's being currently being bombed. Um, mm. You can sort of try and escape through the door, but you open the door and your landlady's saying that you're behind on your rent. Um, so basically not a great, state of affairs um where you are and it, great it, way it, to wake up yeah exactly and you sort of you hear your character talking one of the he picks up a watch and he starts talking and he says that he failed a mission but you don't quite know what it was um and you at some point the air raid siren starts um ringing out and and it's always a good sign yeah, yeah, always a good sign. And then before you know it, a bomb has hit the apartment and explosion and that's it, fade to black. Um, but then you are flying over the sea at night time and the t- clock is ticking back and you're traveling back in time. And the message there is well, what if the past could be changed and that's it. And then you 
see the Titanic and then you end up in your cabin, which is cabin C-73. Still remember that. <laughs> um, and it is the night of the sinking. Okay. And it's 9.30 at night. That's <laughs> so, all right. So you, any, obviously any fan, well, anyone who knows a thing or two about the timeline of Titanic is you have about two hours-ish. Ish, if you're, and, yeah. Yeah, until you're going to hit the iceberg. Um, <laughs> but obviously at this point in the game, and this is interesting to sort of say, at the time you didn't know what the stakes were. You didn't know whether your mission would be to would be to stop the titanic sinking you didn't know what quite what you were doing if you know what i mean sure. you were just on the ship um, right. and then and then if i remember you then had to insert disc 2 because the game came on two discs <laughs> yeah so you insert disc 2 and uh, you're in this dark sort of very dimly lit cabin um and there's a knock at your door and it's your steward who's called smevels and this is your first character interaction. So he play, he's this like snooty sort of upper class English butler um, who distrusts you massively. Um, and then like, he, I'd like you do. <laughs> yeah. And he sort of he acts as your sort of information point. So he tells you about the controls. He tells he gives you a map of the ship, um, and he gives you a card that says "Meet me by the electric camel," um, and that is your contact. So. Um, you're a, you're a secret agent essentially on this ship and you've been yeah you have to meet with your contact in the gymnasium um, and on your yeah on your dresser there's a message that says meet me tonight on deck tell no one and it's signed by someone called georgia which is um which is interesting huh. um yeah and and that's it and before you know it you are free to explore titanic <laughs> which take for granted now really but uh, it, this was like our only opportunity at the time, really, to walk around this ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah, and um, and that's it. And then you meet with your contact eventually, and she's called Penny, and she basically tells you that um, you need to find an object called okay. the Rubaiyat. And the Rubaiyat is an actual book. It's a, a book of Persian um, poetry. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but um, it's worth. It's I have worth... actually. Right. The Rubaiyat. Yeah. And I think now whenever I just hear that, I just think Titanic and it's this object and it's in the possession of a German colonel called Zeitel, um, okay. uh, who is sort of traveling on Titanic for suspicious reasons. Why he's got this book, we're not sure. All we know is that the, this, this, this book of poetry is worth a lot of money and is of great interest to the British government. So you need to intercept it. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's it. And so you then have to sort of find a way to find this book. Um, and and that's it. I mean, the game itself is, 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 is sort of all about finding objects in particular. So you have the book you need to find. You have um, eventually a, um, a painting that, that is, which you later find out is actually a real life painting that was painted by Adolf Hitler. So I remember I told you about the, how it's quite political and wrapped up in sort of real life history um the painting actually turns out to have battle plans on the back of it which is why you have to um try and find it there's also a notebook that becomes of interest um that has a, a list of russian spies in it that you have to intercept um and a diamond necklace which is of great value which if it ends up in the wrong hands could end up funding essentially world war one and the um serbian movement to assassinate uh, Franz Ferdinand. Hey. 
so the stakes mm. love historical high. fiction <laughs> no i really really do that sounded like i was being silly but this reminds me of a book that i really liked growing up um mm. there was a series of young adult like sci-fi fantasy books called pendragon and yeah. the premise is you eat there's a bunch of worlds out there that are on like the brink of a turning point and this guy pendragon bobby pendragon has to go there and help them with things and yeah. one of them is a past version of earth and basically it's they have to ensure that the hindenburg does blow up because if it lands it contained a large payment that would go towards this fictional gangster who basically funded the nazis ah well this is this is actually really similar to that then yeah, yeah that's what that reminded me of also you mentioning of the rubaya um reminded me that the first time i'd ever heard of it was the uh i think it's still cold case of the somerset um uh, the somerton man right somerton man mm-hmm. um he was the victim of murder and one of the things that was found on his person was a scrap of paper that said tamanchud um which mm-hmm. is the ending of the it's found on the last page of the rubaiyat of omar Khayyam. right yeah okay that was interesting yeah sorry that was a really terrible summary of that case and i i looked it up and it's it's way too long for me to try to summarize so if if you are interested in that case anybody uh, i do encourage you to look into it It was absolutely fascinating oh that's cool yeah yeah it's the the somerton man s-o-m-e-r-t-o-n and yeah it's one of those weird coded coded message what does it mean in um cases but yeah that's the first time i'd ever heard of the rubaiyat right yeah well that's it's, again it's interesting you said that there's like he was found with a scrap of paper because there's a part of this story where you have to inspect a dead body and remember oh. i told you how this sort of traumatized people i mean i say you inspect it it's not like i remember playing a game called la noir I'm not sure if you ever heard of that where have. you yeah have you played it no but i've heard of it well that that is <laughs> literally you literally pick up limbs and and you have to like inspect properly dead bodies by touching them and stuff but this is this is not nowhere near as as sort of gross as that it's just you see a close-up of this body and it, on him is this sort of scrawled passage from the rubaiyat mm-hmm. um which you then have to decode um but anyway um before i jump ahead um i just want to talk about some of the um yeah so some of the stakes in here so mm-hmm. Apart from the fact you've got to sort of grab or find these four items, you run into a bunch of characters that are um, ostentatious and um, <laughs> just <laughs> just crazy and 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 um, creepy as well, and quite funny now when I think about it. Some of the things I talk about, like you, um, you uh, obviously you've got your contact, who's this British. Um, quite a middle-class woman um who's uh quite annoyed because she's been put in f deck and she wanted to be put in first class so she's annoyed um you have two you have two main antagonists so you have this german colonel called zeitel who like i said he seems to be on maneuvers representing the german empire and he's very pro-war in what he says (laughs) and you do sort of interact with him on a couple of occasions um and there's another um, antagonist called Vlad. Now, this is where I think a lot of people got creeped out. Vlad is a, <laughs> is a Serbian stowaway. And on your hunt for the Rubaiyat, which eventually takes you down to the um, 
the um the engine room he sort of stops you and his character design and if you do end up playing this alexa you'll 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 understand he he's very creepy the way he looks at you he sort of holds his face down and looks glares up at you and just he looks tough and um and he he wants the rubaiyat because like i said he wants to he's sort of pro-war as well he wants to fund what is called the black hand which is the movement that um assassinated archduke Franz ferdinand which then set into the emotion the chain of events that caused world war one right so Essentially, and this is if you manage to obtain all of these items um, and get off the ship, you essentially have the. Um, let me try and get this right. You essentially have the or the opportunity to prevent the Russian Revolution. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because you because no you because you you take this notebook that has Russian spies' names in it, and that, if that gets into the wrong hands, then the yeah, Russian Revolution, World War One, obviously then leads to World War Two, and then the prevention of the Cold War, and it basically change. You will change history as you know it. The only thing you can't change is the ship sinking. <laughs> it's a bit like you said about that. Is it the game about Hindenburg? You know that has to happen, but you can prevent something on a much larger scale from happening. Yeah, that's that was the whole thing with Pendragon, where it's like, okay, if we choose to save the Hindenburg, you know, you'll save the however many yeah. people, but you'll also save the um, criminal enterprise of a Nazi funder, which was <clears throat> the uh, right. the implication of the, that book in particular. So, yeah, I do kind of like that notion, though, because I so I was talking to, um my boyfriend a bit about inception and how we really like that the inception box they they don't try to explain the physics of how like the inception box works they're like yeah we hook you up to this machine and in you go there's no one explains it further because i think that if you start trying to do things like well here's how the world would play out if this thing happened and that happened and we've seen tv shows and stuff where it's gone really well um is it the man in the high tower that was what if the nazis won Right, that's it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think those things are cool, but in my brain, I would just stress myself out trying, if I were writing a um, sort of futuristic fiction like that, trying to think of all the butterfly effects that would happen if, you know, the Titanic doesn't sink, and then this, and then that, and then this, and then yeah. da, 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 I would wind myself up. Yeah, I think that, that that's it, isn't it? It's like, that's the thing with this game, is that it, loosely, it, it, well, it kind of does hold together, you know, it, it mm-hmm. kind of does, it, it does, it is semi-plausible that you can prevent these catastrophic events from happening um right whether that you know if we i suppose it's a completely different debate whether you could have prevented it but that's <laughs> like I say, maybe for a different podcast <laughs> that's one of those things that people have talked about ad nauseum where it's you know even not even in the context of the um a game but just in the context of like oh well if they you know hit the iceberg head on or if they had done this if they'd had yeah. the binoculars oh, that, like that oh, had happened yeah, right yeah. there's all these things about what if what if what if what if what mm. if i mean marvel made a tv show based on the what ifs because it's fun to speculate and, yeah. and it is yeah this is one of the most sort of debated events of history i think isn't it as well that Titanic. <laughs> it's it's funny because it's like i don't even necessarily know that it's it's debated so much as it's just because there is no clear cut answer. There's certain things for which there are an answer and that's why people don't continue debating them in the same way. Hmm. 
And I think that for many people, there is just, there's certain things where it's like, how did this happen? And this is one of them. There's some where it's like, how did this happen? Well, it was a hurricane. You know, Hurricane Katrina happened because hurricanes are hurricanes. Like, we know how it happens. Yeah, um, I really like, um, just got a bit off topic from the game. I'll get back to it in a minute, I promise. But like, I I really like um, Bill Souder, who Mm -hmm. actually, incidentally, was actually a consultant on this game in terms of historical accuracy and of the design of of the ship. And he, I've heard him say that he actually was quite dissatisfied with the overall sort of aesthetics of how, of the modelling of the actual interiors of some of the rooms in Adventure Out of Time. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly the Turkish bath, which is where um, the murder happens in the game, um, and he was—he said it just didn't—it just didn't look right, didn't look accurate. And um, but I mean, what can you do? I also like Park Stevenson as well. I don't know if you know him. That that Titan, he's like a—I think he's—I think he's like has background in engineering or something. But <laughs> they have really sort of factual insight into the sort of what happened about the Titanic and. Yeah, um, that's who I like to go by, really, when it comes to the events of, mm-hmm. of the sinking. I'm I'm not a historical expert, so I, I'm not one of the people that I think anyone should, you know, come to, to consult. But there are people that, you know, they they literally make these the studies of things like this. They're in their life, you know, their life's work. And it's important, you know, to acknowledge their involvement and things like that, because it is important to involve people that do really understand. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Excuse me. Um, are you ready to go back to the Titanic? <laughs> oh, no one's ever asked me that. Yes, I am ready yeah. to go back to the Titanic. <laughs> I should have said it in that classic Bill Paxton way, shouldn't I? Um, never mind. So, <laughs> some of the characters that you meet along the way, I've mentioned a couple of them, they're our main antagonists, but you've also meet um, an art dealer um, who is the one who smuggled this painting that has um, like uh, intelligence, intelligence on the back of it, hence why it's been smuggled. Um, he's helping Zytel. Um, uh, you have Zytel has an assistant called Willy von Heidelitz, who's a secret spy, who, again, this is the spoiler, he's the one who ends up getting, ele- he gets electrocuted um, in the Turkish bath okay. by Zytel um, because he be- finds out he's betrayed him. And um, this is the scene that traumatised people. So there's a fortune teller on the ship who sort of acts as this sort of you can go to him and give him objects and say can you give me a reading of this what does this mean particularly mm-hmm. when you find the um passage from the rubaiyat you can go and ask him what it means and he gives you clues oh maybe it means this okay brilliant. maybe it means this helpful <laughs> thank you yeah. i could also <laughs> speculate yeah I, th- I think he directs you to a certain area of the ship where you find something which then progresses the story along but but uh, anyway but anyway you give you give this fortune teller an object. I think it's the ring that um, that's given to you. And he says, oh, um, someone's in trouble. And then there's a cutscene out of nowhere. And you see this character in the Turkish bath. And then he just gets electrocuted and screams out. And then it cuts back to your conversation with this fortune teller. So, These things. Yeah. Tra- tra- it, well, it was, tra- I mean, tame now, but traumatising at the time. Um, who else have you got? So you've got... Um, an American businessman, there's a photographer on board, honeymooning with his wife. And again, he acts as quite an um, interesting character because you can, there's one part of the game where you can develop photos in his cabin and you get to piece clues together um, about where to find certain objects. And there's a corrupt steel tycoon and his um, hideous wife. Um, 
<laughs> there's a like, there's there's a, an Irish brother and sister like emigrating to America who are blackmailing them. Um, you have Georgia, your sort of seems like she's an old girlfriend, um, but she's married to this sort of broke alcoholic. Um, there's a very creepy vicar character um, who talks yeah. in riddles. Um, a deck officer called Officer Morrow, who's obviously fictional, mm-hmm. um, and various other crew members with a, a degree of hilarious British accents here and there. <laughs> <laughs> um, a variety of good to good of like bad to worse it, yeah sort of yeah it's quite amusing um oh no they did they did a good job well, they did an okay job I should, I should, they tried yeah i shouldn't be too harsh on them um there's one character called called riviera who um is a card player who's french and he is actually in cyberflix's first game dust um mm. and so they sort of He's obviously older in um, in Titanic, but he, at some point when the ship hits the iceberg, because this is important, yeah, you, you can't prevent the ship hitting the iceberg, but um, mm-hmm. you do play when the ship is sinking. You, you, the cutscenes are, the, to be fair, the cutscenes with the ship sinking are actually, I think they they are quite good. That they they hold up, um, but the ship doesn't necessarily, in terms of the gameplay, it doesn't really change when you're when the ship's sinking. So it doesn't look like the ship's sinking. You just hear background noise and mm. and, and all of the characters are on deck. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Your imagination oh. kind of has to do some of the work there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, ah. definitely. Absolutely. But, and the music, oh, I'll get to the music in a minute. Um, <laughs> but um, there's, yeah, there's, there's one character called the, the Purser, who is possibly the most annoying game character I've ever met. Um <laughs> He's a he's a gatekeeper, and he on at least two occasions you have to get something from his office, but obviously you can't do it whilst he's there, and mm-hmm. he doesn't really let you into his office until you do something for him. Um, and one of the tasks was you have to find Isidore Strauss's cufflink. He left his cufflink somewhere on the ship. He's lost it. He's complained to the purser, and now you've got to go and find it. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine looking for a cufflink on Titanic. This sounds like the uh, a different metaphor. Like it's almost as uh, important. It's almost as uh, prescient as rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. It's like <laughs> it sounds like that. It's almost as smart as looking yeah, for exactly. cufflinks on the Titanic. Um, yeah, it feels like that. And I, when at, when I first played through this game when I was a, you know when I was young, I think that took me about two weeks to to, to solve because it's t- this tiny object, and I, I looked. I searched every inch of that of that ship, um, and eventually, I was on D deck. <laughs> I was on D deck, as you are, and um, I ran. I ran into this American businessman who sort of befriends you, and he gives you clues. This is a thing with the, a lot of the characters; they're all there, and they they talk to you about things and you know things people they've bumped into, but they're always giving you clues as to oh maybe you should do this, maybe you should look here. And he says, oh, I just saw Isidore Strauss, the yeah, the owner of Macy's. Is it the owner of Macy's? Is it? Yeah. And he was sitting there and I was like, oh my God, that's it. I click on the chair. There's the cufflink. I've just told you, Alexia, when you play, um, where the cufflink is. I'm just going to find it on the chair then. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that's it. So um, I hunted for that cufflink for a year, at least a couple of weeks. Um, anyway, I want to talk about the music please. in this game. So something else that has sort of stayed with people is this really haunting soundtrack. Um and one of the reasons that it's stuck with people, a lot of the sort of, there's at least, 
I was doing, I was counting, doing a counter. And it, I got to about, there's at least 30 different pieces of like original oh. music that was composed for the game. And it, the music like changes when you go to like different decks. So that you have like your A deck music, C deck music, D deck music, um, and like engine room. Uh, I think engine room is actually just sound effects, but anyway, um, a lot of the pieces are quite classical in, in the style of Stravinsky or Verdi or Chopin. Um, and some okay. of them are just very simple piano pieces. And they use sure. that very chromatic, like dreamy sort of scale, which is incredibly eerie at times because this, when you're exploring this ship, um, it's, it's, it's all nighttime. You don't, play on the, you don't play the game during the day on the ship. Oh, um, great. Is, yeah, which is quite a smart move on the developers. So that, that they could just close a lot of the ship off. <laughs> Obviously, like, you can't go in that room, can't go in that room. Um, but um, these these pieces are very reminiscent of this like Edwardian era, like, like opulence. But they're really melancholic and very mm-hmm. somber. And they can actually be quite sinister and quite quite ghostly, um, which I think is, you know, in keeping with the actual sort of spirit of the of, of the, the tragedy you know of the ship mm-hmm. um but this music is constantly playing in the background even when you're having these character interactions it's still there playing sort of faintly in the background um so when you're having your dialogue scenes um but um i'm just so i'm just uh, uh, i'm just checking yeah that's right i'm i particularly remember the music when you, you enter scotland road so that's mm-hmm. that part of the ship that um is that like that continuous corridor that yes. took you from stern to bow? Right, that's it. So that's a part of the ship you can go on. Now, I remember the music for that being incredibly dark and sinister and um, that with the way that the characters interact with you. When you walk up to them, they sort of turn and face you and then you click on them. The screen goes to black and then it comes back up and then they're, they're there staring at you. <laughs> And they talk to you, and that's that's your character interaction, and um, and yeah, I mean, you get like given a set of like dialogues, like like lines that you can choose from, mm-hmm. um, some of which lead to different conversations, some of which sort of quite almost lazily, I want to say, just lead you to the same conversation with these characters. But sure. all of these things combined, like um, it, it just creates this really eerie, creepy atmosphere and the music in particular i remember it was really really sort of stuck with people um so if you do play it yeah you'll have to sort of figure out which is your favorite (laughs) scores are really impactful like music and things like can really enhance or absolutely detract from a form of media Mm. if you're watching a tv show that has a terrible soundtrack it can basically ruin a show oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or when yeah. the sound balance is off it's just like oh my god sound is so important yeah yeah sound design that's again one of the reasons i love the film actually i think because i love celtic folk music now mm-hmm. um, and again i was thinking well why do, why why do i love this music and it's because i think it started with the film um yeah, yeah. and to the point where even at my wedding we had a, a kaylee band which is like a a sort of folk band basically i wanted at my wedding to have the steerage pie <laughs> that's what i wanted to recreate that sounds uh, like a great time yeah absolutely um Fun and, and simple. I, I think we succeeded to 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 um to some extent but anyway um so um best scenes i think 
from this game, the ones that really stood out to me. Yes. Um, so I've told you about the cut scene where you see the character get electrocuted. Um, there's it's bananas and extremely, it's not funny to me, but it's just like, wow. All right. That's a choice. It's, it's incredibly dramatic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, the character Vlad, um, when he finds out that you've been sort of interfering with, this is what he says. You've been interfering with my affairs for the last time. He challenges right. you to a fist fight in the engine room. <laughs> um, which you have to do, by the way. <laughs> you, have right. fight the, you have to fight this character. And then um, the, the first time I played it, I remember he, he yeah, beat the shit out of me. But he's pretty easy. <laughs> pretty easy to beat. You, you can just click on parts of his body and you just, these fists, <laughs> it's quite funny. These fists just fly out and and um, you can uppercut him, you can kick him. and But yeah, anyway. Um, it's pretty brutal though, I've got to admit. Like, yeah there's like it's it's like if you remember that there's all like um I'm trying to think of a game that maybe like, like street fighter or something you like mortal Kombat. you have like your sort of life level uh-huh. that goes down you, that sort of yeah, that, yeah. You, you get you get that in that, that uh, on screen um <laughs> there's a confrontation with colonel zeitel the german antagonist that's on top of the fourth smoke uh, smokestack um which is quite a cool set piece. And when you climb, again, I've talked to you about the music. When you climb the mm-hmm. um, the smokestack, it, the music's really like, um, it's really cool there and really suspenseful. Um, and it uses that chromatic, dreamy sort of um, um, scale. Um, but you get to the top and because the notebook is up there and he's mm-hmm. up there and then he points a gun at you. And um, again, like you can get shot before, you know, the ship hits the iceberg in this game you can die before you know before the ship hits the iceberg um maybe i won't tell you exactly when that is maybe i'll leave 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 a little one little thing yeah but there are characters who um if you do if you make the wrong move or it's all it's all about obtaining these objects it's Mm -hmm. all about trying to find the you know and, and and once you obtain an object you report back to penny you contact she says leave it with the purser that's it if you take an object and you get caught or if you don't replace it with something else that, you know, looks like that object in that place, or if you don't, you've just got to be quite smart with it, then you can, yeah, you can get, you can get shot. Basically. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, there's a great interaction with one of the engine room stokers. Um, I think that's what they're called. And it's a sort of stoker, I think maybe. Um, you get into this sort of shouting match and again, he's got this, hilarious sort of like cockney accent um and you can really dish out some insults at him and great (laughs) um and there's another scene where you actually get to fence another one of the characters so like a like a a sword fight (laughs) yeah why not i i yeah in the squash court yeah and that's quite a cool in the um, squash court this sounds like this sounds like downton abbey clue (laughs) sorry you just took a giant drink of water so, no, it's fine. It's Th- fine. That's what this sounds like. It was you in the squash court with the fencing sword. Like, <laughs> it is, though, isn't it? It's like it is a clue, sort of. Yeah, plotline. Um, but the the, the, the hard the, the point with that is that he it, it's it's quite a friendly match. That's not um that's not a fist fight ah. type thing or like a be if you beat him, he gives you more information about things and talk, and opens up more to you. So it's all about it's in your best interest to sort of beat him in this friendly fight and then he ends up getting murdered for telling you too much basically excellent yeah um 
so um so yeah do you have any like questions about the game maybe i haven't been clear enough on some of the plot or no i think this is really good because i'm going to play it at some point in the future but i'm sure there's also other people that didn't get a chance to play the game that were maybe curious a bit about you know some more insight as to the as to how the game worked because yeah this is just one that i missed and i've heard a lot about it over the course of my doing the show but no one's ever dedicatedly been like i would like to talk about this game yeah i'm surprised that yeah no one's really sort of brought it up uh, in a podcast up to this to this point because it's it's sort of got that cult status now yeah Um, i've been surprised yeah um but um just when you do or if you do complete it correctly um, and <laughs> the sort of um well again like, you can either end up getting shot in your when you go, go back forward in time and you reflect on the mission or what what you did if you, basically if you leave the ship with these four items you you know you, you complete the game if you leave the ship and you and you don't get all these items off the ship um you basically end up getting shot in in, in your room by the, by the um, german well, it's, I think it's German anyway. Um, huh. It's, again, quite a brutal ending. Or otherwise, it's quite a nice ending when you sort of reflect on how you completed the game in mm-hmm. obtaining these, these items. Because you can you can die on the ship as well. Like you, I mean, you don't really see it, but if you don't get off in sure. time, um, well, that's it. Yeah, you, <laughs> you're done for, basically. Well, I mean, um, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll always have a sort of special place in my heart because it... It allowed me to enjoy the, well, yeah, Titanic when at a time when I was too young to see the film. Um, mm-hmm. And I still remember when I first saw that film. Um, it just sort of, yeah, it changed my life. And then um, it, it just, these two things combined. And then I got into, I mean, I was following the Titanic Honor and Glory project mm-hmm. for a long time. And I think they've done an amazing job um, in like recreating a lot of the interior haven't they and they've been working mm-hmm. on it for years um i know they haven't quite achieved what they set out to but i think what they've done is just incredible yeah um, and and yeah i mean it sort of inspired me to go to some titanic places so have you been to many like titanic like museums or tourist spots i was going to ask you this but there they are. I have. um so i've been to the museum in pigeon forge and I've been to the attraction in Vegas. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I've, done, I've been to those two and I'm planning on going to the um, traveling exhibition. The one it's currently in DC. Well, in the, in the Baltimore area. So yeah. I'm planning on going to that this weekend. Right. Okay. Oh, just yeah. this weekend. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, how about yeah. you? Cause you know, I mean, you're in the UK. Yeah. Um, A little easier to get to some of them. Yeah. Just, just, just because I live here. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I've been to the White Star Line, like the headquarters in Liverpool, mm-hmm. which is, I think it's like a, I think it's just a big hotel now. I went into the, we went into like the foyer and there's a big, like, if I remember, there's a big sort of Titanic model in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just mainly used for like conferences now, I think. Um, okay. I've, I've been to um, Cove, um, which is, well, mm-hmm. as you know, formerly known as Queenstown. Mm-hmm. which is titanic's final docking point in southern ireland um that was really cool that's a beautiful sort of seaside like port town um and we went to the white star line ticket office there and they've made that into like a museum mm-hmm. 
and actually like you can sort of walk, walk out onto the the sort of it's called the dock yeah the dock i suppose mm-hmm. so i didn't know this but titanic didn't pull into the like the ship didn't actually pull in and i learned this when i was when i was there it was only a few years ago um mm-hmm. it docked behind like out and it, the passengers were sort of tendered weren't they to the to the, to the ship mm-hmm. but they the, the museum guide sort of told us that when the and this the dock the, the original sort of jetty the platform is still there obviously it's not in use anymore but it's you can actually see this old platform that the passengers would have walked out on right. and when you look out from coab sort of the, the the port there's this island called spike island i'm not sure if you've heard of it which is mm-hmm. a um it's a i think it's like a it's it's got a prison on it but it's a, i think it's a tourist destination and titanic was docked behind there so when the passengers were ferried towards the ship they would have got pulled around this the sort of the side of spike island and um seen this majestic steamer and i always wonder what that must have felt like right it's an interesting question yeah just amazing when they were saying goodbye to their sort of home country i just think again i just think it's very sort of melancholy and sad and just yeah sure. <laughs> yeah um I'm, i still haven't been to belfast which is shameful of me um but that's sort of top of my list of places to go yeah i want to go there i really want to go um to southampton and take a yeah. trans Atlantic cruise I actually I love being on the open ocean open water it's one of my favorite things so I would love to do a transcontinental cruise and thankfully my boyfriend fully endorses this and um it's a plan in the future because it's like that would be really fun to go to Southampton I love seaside towns I love the ocean Mm. obviously I love Titanic so it'd be a excuse me fun little combo for me (laughs) yeah no absolutely um so yeah, that's sort of um, in terms of where I've been. I think I went to a Titanic exhibition in Orlando. They seem to be everywhere, don't they? Like there seems yeah. to be one just sort of pops up somewhere. Um, you should try to come to the convention in Pigeon Forge next year. I don't think the dates have been released yet, but it's usually in the fall sometime. Okay, what, what, um, where whereabouts is that? It's in Tennessee. Admittedly, it's not like a gigantically cool tourist destination, but. It's cool for like a few days. There's a bunch of Titanic stuff and you get to go through the museum a couple of times. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to do that, I suppose. Just um, I'd like to visit Tennessee. I'd, I'd, I'm, in, I'm also interested in that area, just like Nashville. My wife loves like, country music. So, um, it's not a, it, you could definitely do a trip of Tennessee while you're there, but it's what it's much closer to is um, it's right next to, oh my God, I absolutely forgot the name of the gatlinsburg um it's the town right next door um and it's a beautiful mountain town oh right that sounds great yeah it's it's stunning yeah we were like we were planning to come over to america but then lockdown Mm -hmm. happened we had to sort of cancel all our plans and but yeah yeah um it's certainly a a place we want to we want to sort of explore I've never had a chance to actually explore Tennessee, um, like the Nashville myself. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I, it would be nice. It's, it seems like a very fun and different, a different kind of city than anywhere I've ever been personally. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just in, just in comparison to UK cities. Um, oh. they're, just, they're just so, yeah, just so grand and spectacular and yeah. It's definitely different, but um. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about your your experience with the game. I am now actually more excited to play it. I'm <laughs> excited to be like weirdly traumatized by a 90s graphics and weird music. <laughs> it's going to be great. 
I'm sure, I'm sure nothing bad will happen to me. <laughs> and those accents, listen for those British accents. They're brilliant. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to be excited to try to replicate them on a scale of like passable to Dick Van Dyke. It's going to be great. <laughs> yes, definitely merged onto Dick Van Dyke territory. Wonderful. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's been humbling, and, actually, because you've had some oh, great guests. I mean... <laughs> Never let that be a deterrent. You know, if someone mm. says that they want to have people on, I get that response sometimes too. Where like, oh, I didn't think you'd take me. It's like, when I say anyone should come on, I mean it. Yeah. Just because you're not Don Lynch doesn't mean I don't want to talk to you. That was a great episode, by the way. That was a brilliant He's episode. He's so nice. He's yeah. so cool. If anyone ever goes to a Titanic thing and does get a chance to speak to Don Lynch, I encourage you to do so. He's a wonderful person. Yeah. Great Agreed. guy. But uh, hopefully I'll see you and your wife next year in, in, in Tennessee. Yeah, let's hope so. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Titanic Talkline was created and produced by me, Alexia. Be sure to keep up with the show on all the social medias at Titanic Talkline on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is all one word. Titanic Talkline, T-I-T-A-N-I-C-T-A-L-K-L-I-N-E. If you want to get in touch, be on the show, sponsor the show, or have a question or anything you want to tell me, send me an email at titanictalkline, again, all one word, at gmail.com. That's titanictalkline at gmail.com. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Bye!